Good afternoon, a very warm welcome to this Just Share debate. Thank you all very much for coming. For those of you who don't know Just Share, let me tell you briefly, we are a charity based in this church, St. Mary Le Beau Church, which tries to engage specifically with the City of London on matters of international development and economic justice. So one way we do that is to organise debates like these. Let me flag up a couple that are coming up in January, in the new year. This today is the last one for 2009. But on the 26th of January, we have a debate on the impact of the recession on the environment with Greg Barker, MP, Shadow Minister for Climate Change, and Mark Linus, author of High Tide, Six Degrees, Carbon Counter and Fragile Earth. That's the 26th of January. On the 27th of January, in the evening, we have a lecture by Nick Sagofsky, Canon Dr. Nick Sagofsky of Westminster Abbey on the City of London and the City. And then on the 28th and 29th of January, we're helping to organise a conference at St Paul's Cathedral, which is on building an ethical economy. You can find more details of that conference at the back of the church. There's a flyer there, so please do take it away with you. And please do also sign up to join our mailing list so that we can keep you informed of future debates and lectures and other events. All the information is at the back of the church. I hope you'll be able to stay and join us for some refreshments after the debate as well. Let me now hand over to the Reverend Paul Zafiriou, who is a vicar in St. David's and St. Margaret's St. Mary Magdalene, Holloway, and also the Bishop of London's advisor on CSR and a member of Just Share. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rachel. Thank you. Welcome all of you here today. Um, we're, here to hear, we're here today to uh, listen to two exponents of CSR. What is CSR? How do I practice CSR? CSR, of course, being corporate social responsibility. So, um, Jeremy, Jeremy Moon is a professor and a founding director of the International Center for CSR at Nottingham University. And um, he's won this amazing award called Beyond Grey Pinstripes um, for teaching MBA students about uh, uh, social and environmental stewardship. He's written, um, he's, I was looking at his website, four pages of publications. He's written many, many books. Um, the Oxford Handbook of CSR is one of them. So we are thrilled to welcome Jeremy here today. And uh, Nick is going to be speaking to us as well. Um, Nick comes from the banking sector. He is at UBS, Union de Banque Suisse, and um, he manages um, community affairs for Europe, the Middle East, and Africa um, in that bank, in that investment bank, and we'll be hearing from him about uh, how he does that. Um, Education, community regeneration, and environment are his specific interests. Um, the format is uh, roughly 10 minutes from each side, and then we're going to have an opportunity for questions. Jeremy. Thank you for the introduction, and thank you very much for coming. If people leave before you start speaking, I think it's called negative charisma. It doesn't bode well. If I had a pound for every time somebody said to me, on hearing of my interest in corporate social responsibility. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? A contradiction in terms, I would be very rich. And now the skeptics say we have the recession. Why would companies continue to be socially responsible? We have, if you like, an oxymoron in crisis. Well, what's the evidence, certainly, there are some signs of problems. Some companies which have been socially responsible have disappeared. Others are in more straitened times. And many companies are focusing on costs. I've read even that corporate social responsibility staff 
have been cut. In some of the research I did about a year ago, looking at companies which have a very good CSR reputation, I certainly discovered uncertainties. The representatives of companies who have a good reputation for CSR weren't quite sure. They expected some rebalancing of the social and the economic. They were rather divided on the implications for funding CSR. So what do we make of this slightly gloomy or uncertain picture? I think in the first place, the answer to the question, how will the recession impact on CSR, is it depends. It depends on the sort of CSR that we had in the first place. What motivated it? What means were deployed? It also depends on the other contemporary challenges which face business. Climate change, or at least the social expectations about climate change, even new business opportunities, which demands in other parts of the globe are throwing up. Some generalization is possible. I was lucky or unlucky enough to have studied CSR in two previous recessions. No, not the 1930s. The United Kingdom in the early 1980s and Australia in the early to mid 1990s. And Basic conclusion from my studies of these periods is that recession actually stimulated CSR. It encouraged it. Companies reassessed their relationships with communities. Business leaders, the chairman of Marks and Spencers in the 1980s, most famously perhaps, spoke about business obligations. New organizations were created to encourage business social responsibility, the most famous being business in the community. Governments, paradoxically, took a lead. Some of you might remember Hesseltine with his Leoline locks and flak jacket taking business leaders to the depressed areas of Brixton and Toxteth in Liverpool. Governments actually even funded CSR, a paradox I know, and we could come back to that if you like. New networks between business, government, and society were created. And that was in both of the countries. Curiously, in Australia, after the recession, the CSR declined, perhaps reflecting that in many of those cases, the CSR was a short-term strategy, really quite discretionary. More positively, in the United Kingdom case, this phase actually was the beginning of a 25-year expansion of CSR. It was, this expansion represented a shift from what should we do with our profits to how should we make profits more responsibly. And this, is, this combines interesting motivations. The Economist typically, pithily, summed up Marks and Spencer's corporate social responsibility by saying 
that healthy high streets require healthy back streets. There's a sort of dependency for business on social cohesion, social well-being, if you like, the social license to operate. But equally, in this period of recession, businesses discovered advantages of social responsibility, new forms of knowledge, new networks, new skills and competences for their people, new markets even, new ways of motivating employees. And since that recession in the United Kingdom, CSR has expanded. Now we know that companies are obliged by the media or NGOs to think about child labor in their supply chains, fair trade, ethical trade. The Brent Spa incident in the North Sea prompted a whole new concern with the environment. Most of the hundred leading companies in the UK will have some sort of report to give some accountability as to what they're doing. Companies also adopt much more strategic approaches to solving problems, be they unemployment in parts of London, or be they addressing the problem of AIDS in remote parts of Africa, where sometimes these companies don't even locate. So a more strategic approach, a business-like approach, if you like, to solving problems. That also brings a paradox. If businesses are behaving like businesses, can it really be social responsibility? Again, we might come back to that one. Well, as you noticed, I'm a bit of an optimist. Looking ahead, if my optimism is well justified, I think the CSR responses to the current recession would be rather broader than those I observed in the early 1980s. I expect we'd have a shift from a focus principally on community, employment and training, important as those are, to a much broader sense of responsibility. And that would include product selection and marketing. Why? Well, obviously, customers have an interest in value for money when they've got less in their pockets. Many companies might also perceive a need to rebuild trust with their consumers. I expect continued attention to sustainability in supply chains. Why? Even though companies are focusing on cost, they are also concerned about reliable supply when the recession abates. Moreover, many companies' brand are tied up in the fairness of their supply chains. I would expect a concern with spreading the problem of surplus labor, addressing the question, how shall we reduce the workforce? I expect to be engaged in in a more responsible way. Why? Well, again, companies have identified employee morale and loyalty as one of the key benefits of CSR. I expect continued attention to energy and waste. Why? 
fairly obviously cost-saving. Also, some anticipation of regulation, but also some companies see opportunities for innovation in precisely these areas. So, in sum, for me, CSR is for the best and the worst of times. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Nick is going to speak to us now. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, well, my name is Nick Wright, as you heard. Um, I work at UBS, one of the large financial institutions based here in the city. Um, UBS actually embraced corporate responsibility, and we, for better or for worse, call it corporate responsibility, the responsibility being broader than just to society itself. Um, back in the 80s, um, as Jeremy alluded to, we were founder members ourselves of Business in the Community, and we also participated in some of now Lord Heseltine's work um, in founding organizations such as Groundwork, which sought to forge a partnership between the public and the private sector to address the challenges of that recession. My, my observations uh, here today are my own, but obviously they are heavily skewed by my background and experience at UBS, um, and indeed, therefore, by a city outlook, one which I hope is relevant to where we happen to be today. What I thought I would do is very briefly cast my eye over some of the context and background to where we are today, and I hope that will lead me into some of the conclusions I have, indeed, as to what impact, if at all, the recession will have on corporate social responsibility, what direction it will take, what characteristics it might have. I think in, in general terms, we're looking at an extraordinarily difficult environment for business, um, and my horizon in that statement extends for the next year to three years. I think it will also be an extraordinarily challenging environment for the public sector. Um, obviously, primarily as a consequence of the state of the public finances. And in a week in which we've seen Copenhagen, the, the summit in Copenhagen, begin, the recession will also alter the economic climate in which business needs to move to a low-carbon economy. So to take each of those, or at least the first two, and look at them in a little bit more detail, for business and particularly for the city itself, over the last five plus years, finance money was cheap. It was cheap and it was readily available. The overall economic backdrop will see a marked, has already and will continue to see a change in that respect. We've had a remarkably benign and stable economic environment for most of the last 10 years. Again, I don't think we will be seeing that over the next 10 years. Volatility and risk will be much higher. What will that entail as a consequence? Longer term planning, for one. We had already seen, I think, a general trend even before the events of the last two years and the paroxysm both of the financial services sector and the more broader economy. We had already seen a trend showing decline of public trust in business and also in markets. And of course, in the last two years, 
that faith has fallen still further. The Anglo-Saxon model is questioned, certainly by our friends across the channel. The social purpose of banks is questioned. We can expect business-wide, but in finance without a doubt, greater political activism, greater government intervention, and greater supervision. I think one only needs to be painfully aware of what is likely to come out of the pre-budget report this afternoon, or even to look at the front pages of today's FT and today's Guardian to see that that is undoubtedly the case. For the public sector, I think the situation personally, and this is my personal view, is much more serious than many seem to appreciate. Government, quite simply, in financial terms, will not be able to fund over the next 10 plus years what many of us, what many of us may have taken for granted over the previous 20 or 30. If, in a very rudimentary fashion, one considers three main drivers for economic growth, the consumer, in the UK at least, one would characterize them probably as being in a rebuilding or recovering mode. The public, government, effectively has underwritten the recovery that we hope we're on the, brisk, the brink of, the cusp of, but certainly has spent most of its firepower. And the third sector, the private sector, the driver for the next five to 10 years has to come from the private sector. I just draw attention to a couple of other major trends. I think globalization, which has fueled so much of the growth of the last 10 plus years, is itself under threat to a degree. The benefits of an open global economy, which the UK and the city in particular have benefited so largely from, will be forgotten by some as unemployment continues to rise. And we know that unemployment will lag any recovery. Equally, I think we're all very aware that perhaps the main or one of the major drivers for many of the world's problems today is population growth. The fact that by 2050, we're estimating 9 billion people on this planet. And the consequences of that for energy, for security, for water, for health and education, for climate change as well. So what will all this mean for corporate responsibility, for corporate social responsibility. Will it be business as usual? Will things just carry on as they have done before? Um, skeptics are always very keen to point out that those who say this time it is different, nah. Is it different? Well, my belief, yes, this time it is a little bit different. Will we see a reduction in corporate responsibility? As Jeremy says, it seems to be something which is good for the good times and the worst of times. If it's less, why would it be less? Is it because there is no need for it? Or is it because there's a predominant Friedmanite view of business that the business of business is business and nothing else? Well, my view would be that if you look at the characteristics I've just described, the context where we are, absolutely the time is now the time is actually ripe for greater corporate responsibility rather than less. If I look in my own world, the world of financial institutions, our very survival depends at this point in time still, or not for all of us, but for some of us, on the goodwill of governments and taxpayers.
by some measures up to a quarter of world GDP has been spent propping up the banking system. It will require ongoing support in one form or another for quite a while. And banks will have to work harder, in my opinion, to sustain the goodwill of those who have helped keep them alive, the taxpayers as well as government. We're seeing some of that cajoling as I speak. It's speculated about on the front page of the FT today. Business is more visible. It's in the spotlight. We need, in business, the genuine understanding not just of our employees, although we certainly need it of them too, but also, as I've said, of the taxpayers. And I think we need to demonstrate a common sense of decency imbued into business. That is what success will look like. And I think it will be an increased requirement of businesses to demonstrate their ethical credentials. There will be, we're already seeing the beginnings of it, increased accountability as part, as Jeremy said, of the new social, or however one wishes to formulate it, license to operate. I've noted that decline in public trust. We've also considered, I think, the changing expectations of society as a consequence, particularly for the financial sector, of what has taken place. And certainly the trends of increased scrutiny which existed before the current crisis, that sophisticated observation that is possible through the internet and other resources, will continue. Reputation and trust are always key, but I think as a consequence of what has happened, all the more so. For a firm such as my own, the recruitment and retention of staff is very largely driven by reputation of the organization. We know, for, for instance, that if you want to apply to join UBS, you can only do so online. That facility also means we can track which other parts of UBS's internet potential applicants to UBS visit. The most visited site, apart from that where you actually fill in the form to wish to apply, is the corporate responsibility site. I think what that is telling you is that it is something that potential employees are using as a differentiator. We have to demonstrate to that audience and to a much broader audience that we are not good just for the economy, but for society. I think employability will be absolutely key. Going back to the three drivers that I mentioned earlier, any recovery, any sustainable recovery, will have to be as a consequence, consequence of wealth creation, of the creation of real jobs in trade, in new industries. That regulatory and policy framework must be something that business will work for, but must be something that we as a society strive for. And I think, to Jeremy's point, there are new possibilities here, new opportunities here. The collaboration, the collaborative model of partnership exhibited in much corporate responsibility work can actually work to the benefit of the UK and to the benefit of those who embrace it. Many, for example, in my own particular sphere, regard what voluntary sector organizations do as a kind of research and development allied to what business can bring to the table, that is potentially a very powerful tool. So in terms of some of the characteristics of what I think we may see emerging, and I don't think the landscape is entirely clear, I think, yes, we will see more corporate responsibility, not less. 
I think we will see more integrated corporate responsibility, as Jeremy alluded to. And I'm sorry not to provide a, a true foil and a proper debate in my agreement with Jeremy. But I do think we will see greater move towards away from corporate philanthropy, but towards looking at business benefits, looking towards many of the items that Jeremy articulated. It's not lip service. It's joined up corporate responsibility. That is the only corporate responsibility that has survived. It is the only corporate responsibility that has a future. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Nick. Thank you. I'm going to invite Jeremy to go up into the other pulpit again. And um, as Nick said, maybe it hasn't been um, uh, two diametrically opposed uh, views that we've heard, but there's been a lot of convergence. Um, but I'd like to open the debate to the floor. Um, please, um, there's Rachel, I think, with a mic. If you have a question that you'd look, like to put, please put your hand up. And we'd love to hear your questions. I have a couple of questions myself, but I'm going to keep them towards the end. Can I start by thanking you both? Very interesting presentation. Uh, my background is in a social responsibility team myself. So one of the things I welcome is the fact that you've identified corporate social responsibility as something that's fundamental to the way business does business rather than really being the philanthropic add-on. And I think that's increasingly important that people understand that's where social responsibility should be taking us. Um, my question just to start with really was to home in on a, an observation Jeremy made early on that some social responsibility companies are no longer or companies that have demonstrated it are no longer with us I, I'm intrigued by that because in a sense one of the arguments from the social socially responsible investment community is that it should make companies more resilient in a recession so I'm, I'm and I I'm also in the process of working with businesses to try and get them to, to buy into that argument so I wonder if there are any lessons that we can take from those who, who may have struggled despite having a good SR record. Jeremy, would you like to kick off? That's, that's a hard one to start with, isn't it? Um, I, th you know, I, I think companies, really picking up the, 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 the last point, it's about integration. And some of the companies which had quite a good reputation, particularly for community contributions, actually weren't very good at business. Uh, I don't want to rubbish companies now, but I think the one, one or two that seem so obvious, the high street casualties, uh, seem to be not very good at business. They were quite good at uh, giving money to communities. And maybe they hadn't integrated those things, addressed customers properly in their stores and the like. So I'll be interested to see what Nick says. Thank you. Um, I, I think it's a it's a spot-on question, frankly, because I think that the jury is still out in hard terms. Um, Jeremy, you may be aware of academic research uh, to the contrary, but whilst I have seen studies indicating a correlation between what we might call virtuous organizations or companies that we believe, according to whatever metrics, have implemented corporate responsibility, have we seen that correlation um, in relation to their more conventional economic stock market or other performance. Um, I believe that, that the jury is still out on that, frankly. I think that will have 
renewed impetus in terms of an area for research. It's patently um, something which, if it can be demonstrated, um, is a bit of a killer argument for corporate responsibility itself. So certainly you would expect probably Jeremy and myself to seek for that particular causal relationship. In my own particular instance, I can think of um, a couple of examples that, or, or one perhaps that reinforces the point to a degree. Um, one of the things I'm responsible for is for coordinating volunteering that takes place within UBS. We ran a study, this is about five or so years ago, where we looked at 250, 250 employees who participated in the firm's volunteering program, 250 who did not. And we measured them um, internally against our own internal performance management and measurement system. There was over a two-year period an enormous outperformance of those who were volunteering versus those who were not. Now, I'm not positing that you can say there is a causal relationship there, but what I think it does possibly indicate is that the kind of people who are, by predilection, drawn to volunteering may be the kinds of people that we, by our own standards, wish to employ. They're more open-minded, they're less likely to work in silos, um, they're better at um, a whole range of, of the softer skills, if you like, as opposed to the overtly technical skills that the organization believes are extremely important. Either way, one would argue you should promote volunteering as an activity both to recruit the right kind of people or develop them further. Um, I certainly think that this is a, a key area that will be embarked upon for, for greater research, and I think that quite possibly in terms of the ethics of corporate behavior, that is one of the areas I would highlight even further as to where that research will be. I, I do think it, it is probably true that the more philanthropic aspects of corporate responsibility in no way protected organizations were they engaged in unsustainable businesses practices in the first place. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Another question, please. Um, in the Times today, there's a full-page advert from Nestle promoting KitKat, which from January will bear the Fair Trade logo. Is this their corporate responsibility action, or is it purely that they saw sales plummeting against other Fair Trade products, do you think? Jeremy, do you want to have a go at that first? Yep. Thank you for the question. I think in some ways it illustrates one of the most powerful but often under noticed aspects of corporate social responsibility, that markets can be influenced by social preferences, or what I slightly tediously call the socialization of markets. People often assume that the currency of market is supply, demand, and a currency. And a, a currency. But actually, social values can interpose in markets and curiously, in the United Kingdom, and I think very powerfully, the fair trade movement has had a modest, in terms of the proportion of the coffee or the chocolate market, but nonetheless, they've had an impact at the high end. Fashionable, quite expensive supermarkets have even adopted these brands or generated their own. It's something that's very precious, and as I say, it's a niche market, but social values have had an impact. 
And I'm happy to say if Nestle have done this because they see a gap in the market, fine. And if they get rewarded for it, fine also. It's a neat illustration of where integration works between not just the company's own values, but the values of their potential customers, even if it's a tiny niche. And I think the United Kingdom's quite distinct in this, that it's had a social movement that's focused on international issues, and something I think, don't want to sound jingoistic at all, but I'm quietly quite proud of. Thank you, Joe. Nick? Thank you. Um, yes, I, I would very much agree with, with Jeremy's response on that. I, it's slightly different from the world I inhabit to a degree because speaking for UBS and indeed for, for many of the banks that inhabit the Square Mile and Canary Wharf, um, there are obviously exceptions, but, but UBS outside its domestic market in Switzerland is not a retail name um, and does not have uh, the man or woman on the street as a customer. Um, we deal primarily with um, institutions. As a consequence, our, we don't at any point in what we do seek to integrate or promote, as it were, our corporate responsibility credentials into what we do from a marketing perspective. One reason that we do that is that we find that amongst our own employees, if they believe that the only reason UBS is engaged in corporate responsibility is for promotion externally in terms of its brand and other PR type literature, they're rather cynical about it. Um, and that's even carried out into how the company itself is organized. I myself do not sit within the communications and marketing function. I sit within the policy side of the bank um, because we believe that unless you do integrate it into the way the company actually operates, it will not be successful. That being said, I agree with Jeremy. I think the drivers for retail names are different and I see absolutely that um, item advert that you draw attention to as evidence of the company responding to societal pressures, which again, going back to the general context, I think are very much moving us along this particular trajectory. Thank you, Nick. Another question, please. Thanks a lot. Uh, you have spoken about uh, your uh, uh, corporate uh, social uh, responsibility policy, and uh, I would like to know uh, whether uh, you integrate it in your, uh, you keep it in mind uh, when choosing your partners, when uh, evaluating, for example, financing certain projects, or it's just uh, uh, part of your external communication and uh, image building? Can I ask Nick to answer that first, please, and then we'll come to you, Jeremy. No, absolutely. In, in terms of speaking um, for myself and for the company, no, we do take it into account in our decisions. I would have to say that a, a high driver in that is considerations about our reputation. So it would be part of our risk management process, for example, where we're not in trade finance, particularly as an organization, but um, if you're asking, for example, would we lend to an organization which was constructing a dam which was, we thought was highly likely to have um, 
controversial environmental impacts, that will be factored into the decision-making process. That's not the particular division that I work for, but I do know and I'm responsible for making sure that I had one this morning. A policy, and this was a policy with respect to our supply chain, there are corporate responsibility aspects built into those policies. In other words, they are now built into or becoming progressively built into business decisions. Thank you, Nick. And Jeremy, anything you'd like to add? Well, very briefly, um, yesterday, I believe, Richard Lambert, the head of the CBI, was discussing the climate change debates, and he said, look, we don't know much about science, but we do understand risk. And I think increasingly businesses see the selection of partners at the very minimum as about risk to their own reputation. In the case of corporate social responsibility, question on this side somewhere, is that right? Yes. The gentleman in there. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for your debate. Um, I'm wondering if I can get either of the two speakers to agree with me when I say that CSR and investment in CSR still really is about profits. Now, I'm not talking about short-term profits. I'm talking about long-term profits. Um, perhaps your employees are happier because you're engaged in CSR. The individuals within your organization are happier. So they're probably more productive and profitable. Um, if we're talking about the planet, perhaps you're donating to, to Greenpeace or something like that. But isn't that about making sure you've got customers in future to uh, market your, your products and services to. Is it, is it so wrong just to say that CSR for a, an organization, for, for corporates, is actually about profitability and there's, there's not really any shame in it? Thank you very much. Nick, why don't you go first? Oh, I'm, um, I'm totally unashamed about it. Um, I work for an organization that by and large believes in the operation of the free market believes in the power of the wealth creation principle, if you like. Um, I think we care deeply about how that operates, and we've seen over the last couple of years how it can run amok and astray. But no, um, I do believe that for corporate responsibility to be sustainable in the long term, it must demonstrate that it is in the interests of the organization itself so to embrace and to behave. And I think that it does do that. Um, I do think that in terms of, and we, we haven't really touched on this subject, but looking parochially how it needs to be engaged within an organization, it requires, uh, we see enormous, uh, enormously, I, I mentioned the numbers of people who when they're looking at UBS, go to its corporate responsibility website and have a look at it. And that includes potential recruits, but it also includes many other people interested in the organization. But it's, so there is this, if you like, enormous groundswell from 
many of the lower ranks within the organization. But for corporate responsibility to have survived over the 25 years or more that UBS has been actively devoted to it and putting resources into it, if it did not have the ear or the belief of senior management, it would not have survived. It certainly wouldn't survive in times such as these where every cost is scrutinized to a degree that I have not seen in the 20 years I've been with the organization. And it is certainly, I can say, the belief of senior management within UBS that it does serve the interest of the organization. And that ultimately has to be bottom line as well as many others. Thank you, thank you, Nick. Jeremy, yes. Well, basically, no, I don't see it as uh, problematic to say it's about profits. The trouble is the word profits has got a, a dirty name. And the connotation when you say it's only about profits is that somehow there's a carelessness or a casual attitude to the society in which the profits are being made. And that's why I would hesitate. Of course, taxes, insurance, pensions cannot be generated without companies making profits. But I think CSR is at this interface of the profit-making and the society. Some of you might have heard of the concept of social capital, which has been generated by sociologists to think about why is it that some societies function very well. And the term social capital, amongst other things, captures the connection between individual prospering in the long term and short-term generosity. That's the term used by Putnam, an American political scientist most famous in the area. I think likewise for CSR and companies, short-term generosity should and could be rewarded by long-term organizational benefit. And that's, that's positive as I see it. Thanks, thank you, Jeremy. Another question. George, yes. Um, I'm conscious that um, uh, one of the strengths of the fair trade movement is, it, is that it gives um, individual consumers an ability to influence for the good social conditions in particular communities in different parts of the world. And I, I just wonder if I could tease out something that I, I thought I heard um, you saying, Nick, early, earlier on, um, which was that in a, in a sort of contracting uh, governmental sphere of spending on um, social reform and regeneration and so on, there might be a place for corporate social responsibility. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested to know, one, what that might be. Are you really suggesting that some businesses might run portions of the health service or social housing or something? Um, uh, and two, how that would be accountable? Would it be accountable to shareholders or clients or partners? There's a, some very big questions in there, I think. Um, briefly. Briefly. <laughs> briefly. Um, I, I think there are extraordinary opportunities at this point in time. I think, um, and Richard Lambert was actually uh, speculating on this in um, both his comments um, with respect to Copenhagen, but also in the document the CBI have just put out looking as to what the shape of the UK in business will look like over the next 10 years. And he believes that we are likely to see a much more collaborative model. Um, 
I think that's largely true, and I think it opens up the possibility of a myriad of different forms and collaborations, not one sole model. Um, if I look at one of the major projects that we have embarked upon um, at UBS, and this came out of our community affairs program, and that is the um, sponsorship by UBS of one of the government's academy schools. It's a state school, but it is developing a partnership with a private sector organization which the aspirations of all involved, government, the school itself, an obvious non-profit organization, and the firm, is for um, an education business partnership which seeks to maximize what everybody can bring to the table. I don't think we're claiming in that partnership that we know best how to teach students, but we think we do know something about running organizations where there's a procurement strategy, a security strategy, where you're um, putting together, for example, if you look in the primary sector of education, the fact that each little primary school is pretty much a Victorian cottage industry. Surely there are savings where they could all be put on one common accounting system. So I use that as one example as to how I think there are opportunities in the current environment, both by force of the state of public finances, but also in terms of actually how we, all, we do the, the place of business needs to inhabit in society for us to collaborate effectively in new models, potentially. I think that too also picks up on some of the work on social capital venture philanthropy that Jeremy alluded to earlier. Thank you, Nick. I was going to um, put another question actually to you more, I think, Jeremy, and that is, um, Nick mentioned joined up thinking um, in the context of CSR. I'm curious as to what degree of joined up thinking there is, um, not within a corporation, but across corporations, across industries, um, so what kind of um, collaboration is there between, say, a group of banks at, um, in Canary Wharf, for example, to help the Isle of Dogs? What collaboration is there um, amongst um, all the supermarkets, for example, on a particular issue of CSR? Why is it that it seems to be each practitioner of CSR is in it only for themselves, for the best of reasons? Um. It's certainly true that many of the partnerships that are described as CSR partnerships don't include companies from the same sectors, uh, within the same sector. And sometimes when I have a meeting at my university for business people to exchange views candidly about CSR, they are much more candid if somebody from the same sector is not there. Um, ha having said that, I think that in many cases companies do observe, if, if you like, collective benefits and co collective interests in acting cooperatively in vis-a-vis -vis some CSR challenges. So, for example, number of usually quite oligopolistic industries have got together to make agreements about standards in the extractive case, in the banking case, the Ecuador principles for lending in the developing world. So I think to some extent, going back to the point about is this for profits, some of the companies are calculating and they're calculating that some of their CSR is about competitive advantage. In other cases, they know A, they might have a collective interest in 
raising the skill levels in India. I've just been in India, Com IT companies work thinking about that together, or in having common and accepted social standards for the extractive industry or for lending to developing countries. Thank you. If, uh, any observations, Nick? Um, I think Jeremy summed it up pretty well. I think, think you're absolutely right in, in what's inherent in your question. There is a tension there, without any doubt. Um, a driver of corporate responsibility is to seek new opportunities, and they include market opportunities, and therefore where one, speaking as a business, can achieve a competitive advantage, one is to a degree loath to, to give that up or at least seek to exploit it to the benefit of that company and its shareholders. Having said that, I think there is an emerging understanding and recognition, particularly at this point in time, that the issues facing us all are much larger than any institution or any single partnership can hope to address. And indeed, if one looks back to the formation of organizations such as Business in the Community back in the early 80s, I think there was that similar recognition and I certainly can speak for UBS that actually at this point and over the last couple of years to a degree that probably was not the case five plus years ago, we are now working in partnership with some of our direct competitors in the business sphere in the, the field of corporate responsibility. Thank you very much. It's uh, five to two. We're going to draw things to a close, although there's an opportunity for more informal chat at the back of church. Um, I am going to have to stop the meeting today, not right now, but do please try and call whoever you want to speak to and um, uh, have a quick chat with them. Um, can I encourage everybody to get involved in CSR if you're, if you're a student? When I was at business school, they didn't tell us anything about this at all. If you're a student, please uh, get active. If you're in business, please get active. It's really important. An enormous um, thank you to both our speakers, to Nick and to Jeremy today, and to George for his hospitality. Thank you.